Has it occurred to you that the systems we live by are not designed to get results? We pay for procedures instead of outcomes, focusing on emergencies rather than preventing disease and living a healthy lifestyle. For over 25 years, I've taken care of Olympians, Paralympians, A-list actors, and Fortune 1000 companies. If I do not get results, they do not get results. I realized that while powerful people who control the system want to keep the status quo, if I were to educate the masses, you would demand change. So I'm taking the gloves off and going after the systems as they are. Join me on my mission to create a new tomorrow as I chat with industry experts, elite athletes, thought leaders, and government officials about how we activate our vision for a better world. We may agree and we may disagree, but I'm not backing down. I'm Ari Gronich, and this is Create a New Tomorrow Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Create a New Tomorrow. We are back with Eric Malzone, podcasting extraordinaire, fitness expert, health expert, and entrepreneurial coach. Eric, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, man. Thank you, Ari. Always a pleasure. Absolutely. Oh, so tell us a little bit about your journey that you've had. So we talked a little bit last time about kind of your history. But why don't we tell, talk about the journey of pivot, right? So the moments in which you have had, had to or chosen to pivot. One of the things you mentioned previously is how you were working in a corporate kind of setting and you were realizing that that wasn't fitting who you really wanted to be. And I had a question about that and the question was the psychology behind it, because there are so many people who drive to work every day in their metal coffins and go to the same job, do the same thing every single day, come home, maybe they kiss their wife or kid and go to sleep and then do it all over again. So you were able to break yourself free from the trap, as I, as I would call it. Tell us what that psychology was. What was it in you that had to get out? Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking really hard on that answer. I, um, you know, I, I think there's a couple things that motivate and we'll, we'll go into actually, I have a framework for this decision process. I call them big, scary decisions and we'll, we'll get into that. It's a three or four step process that I go through when I'm calculating what, what I want to do. And, uh, you know, a, a lot of the major bigger moves, ones that people would be like, well, I can't believe you actually did that. That was a big move, you know, from, you know, pulling the ejector seat in, in corporate America in a very cozy situation to, um, selling a business and leaving, um, you know, a community that I spent a lot of time building and for the complete unknown. I, I think sometimes it's the motivation or inspiration, whatever it is, or a combination of both can come from some sort of epiphany, right? Or like a, a, a cage rattling event, right? I think those are two of the most critical things that cause this type of change in your life. And everyone, if you haven't had an earth or a cage rattling event in your life yet, you're gonna have one, okay? It's just gonna happen. Let's say you got that wild idea. Should I start a business? Should I move on? Should I, is this relationship I'm in good for me or whatever it may be? I'm going to help you by, by giving you three really, really powerful questions. And the first question, number one is if I pursue this route, I'm thinking, 
what's the worst possible thing that can happen? Now, this is a stoic philosophy thing, right? So when I started my first business, I asked myself, okay, what's the worst possible thing that could happen right now? You know, I had about a year's worth of living in my savings and that's like bare minimum living, right? Just food and maybe shelter. I'm like, well, the worst thing can happen is this thing goes belly up within a year. I'm sleeping in the gym and then I'm going to have to go call someone in my family. Like, Hey, can I just crash on your couch? And then I go back into corporate America. That was it. I was like, well, that's not that scary. So I'm no longer that scared, right? So boil it down. What's the worst possible thing that can happen? Right now, my wife and I are like, you know, we always talk about like, well, if we make this decision, we do this thing, what's the worst possible thing that can happen? We just live in our van, right? We got a converted van. I'm like, well, that's actually not that scary. That sounds kind of cool, right? So when you start looking at what's the worst possible thing that can happen and boiling it down, then you get a really good understanding of what the risk is. We'll tell all these tales in our minds of what's this what could happen and the things that are risky and what's, but ultimately there's probably, well, this leads me to the next question. Question number one, what's the worst possible thing that can happen? Question number two, 10 years from now, will I regret not having tried? So this puts us in a different frame, puts us forward looking back, right? And asking myself if I'm, and what it does is it pushes you kind of like when I, I pulled the ejector scene in corporate America, I pushed myself 10 years forward. I'm like, Ugh, I don't like that Eric, right? And Eric, that Eric would definitely wanted, would have wanted me to try at this point. So then you kind of owe it to yourself, your future self to try or not to try, right? But if you go, you ask that question, be like, nah, I don't think I'd ever really regret not trying this, then don't do it. Don't do it, right? It doesn't mean enough to you. The third one is what is the tiniest first step that I can take in that direction? When I decided to sell my business in 09, the tiniest first step for me was figuring out what the tiny first step was, which is like, okay, uh, I'm going to have a couple of phone calls with people who have done this before. That was it. Harmless, right? Not committing to anything, but it gets me one foot down the road. Next thing was like, well, I guess I need to come up with uh, a non-disclosure agreement. So whoever I talk to won't say anything. No problem. Got that from a friend. Next one, let's look creative list of potential buyers. Okay, cool. You see where this is going? Just one step after the another. And then eventually weeks, months, years go by, it's done. And I guess the bonus question in that is I would ask yourself, what if it was easy? What if it was easy? We also paint these pictures of these things being incredibly difficult. And sometimes you say, well, what if it was easy? You know, like uh, we just sold a, a home in, in California and I had made all these stories up in my mind about how challenging it's going to be and I got to work with these real estate agents and all this and I got to deal with the renters. I'm like, well, what if it was easy? What would happen? I'm like, well, I would just call up my renters, see if they want to buy it. And I did. And they did. And they bought it. And that was it. It was easy. It was way easier than I ever thought it was going to be to sell a property. Now I don't have any fear of selling a property ever again. So that's the framework I would have people go through is, you know, what's the worst possible thing that can happen 10 years from now while I regret having not tried. And lastly, what's the tiniest first step I can awesome. take in that direction. Let's extrapolate that out and mm. say, you know, we're using this framework for somebody who is wanting to get healthy right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So they want to get healthy and they don't know who they're going to be without that victim role of being unhealthy. 
whatever it looks like to them. So what's the worst thing that could happen? I don't, I don't get healthy, right? Next thing, what is uh, the first step? <laughs> no, is that the, that was the next one, right? Yeah, well, it goes, let's, let's, yeah, let's walk that through anecdotally. So if someone is unhealthy and they know that they need to do something or they feel that, you know, obviously this track they're on isn't that great. So the first question would be, what's the worst thing that can happen if I engage in this new health routine? Well, the worst thing that can happen is I'm right back where I am now. There's nothing to lose, literally nothing to lose. Maybe you spend some money, right, on a, a coach. I don't know. You gotta lose your excuses. Give up, yeah. up your excuses. Yeah, that's the worst possible thing. No one is, you're not gonna get, you know, no one's gonna die. I mean, you could, if you, if you see on this path, let's be honest, well, we're, we're all gonna die someday. That's a whole other conversation. But you know, you see what I mean? It's like, no one's gonna get critically injured. There's not gonna be anything, you're, you're, you're gonna be stepping. So you answer that question of, well, what's the worst possible thing can happen? Well, that's not that scary. That, that's the worst possible thing is not that scary. So then 10 years from now, well, I regret not having tried this new program. Probably, right? We, you probably wouldn't be thinking about this right now if you weren't going to regret it. And then the last one is like, well, what's the tiniest first step? And I think for this particular person that we're talking about, that's a critical question because the tiniest first step doesn't mean I got to go to the gym four times a week. I have to eat veggies and chicken. I got to do all these things. The tiniest first step could be, I'm going to drink 50 ounces of water every day, or I'm going to set an appointment with a health professional, or I'm going to walk my dog every day, right? Like that's the tiniest little first step. And that's why I think a lot of people miss in their fitness and health routines is to try to take on too much at once. They don't build the habits that layer upon themselves and they see failure. Right. Because, mm. you know, there's uh, Dan John, if you're familiar with him, that's a great framework. He's like, there's three different ways that you, you cause change in someone's life from a health and fitness pressure. Either you, you put them in jail, right? You send them to fat camp for four weeks, you shame them, they come out of that, you know, with all they have is vegetables and water. That's all they can eat, right? Yeah. Jail. There's the, uh, the epiphany event, a divorce, um, a critical diagnosis. Uh, something like that. That's just, boom, people will change, right? They're finally motivated. Um, the last one is baby steps. You know, little steps over the long haul make a huge difference. And it's that long haul isn't even that long, right? It's not as long as people think if you're taking the proper steps. So that's how I would approach that thought process. You know, it's, it's funny. One of my, uh, my close friends is famous for having lost the most weight on a pretty famous show called mm. The Biggest Loser. Mm. And that what he went through sounds to me like the jail that you're talking about. And when he did that, yes, he was the guy mm. who lost the most weight. He's also one of the guys who's gained some of the most weight back. Well, why is that? That's because it wasn't indoctrinated into his cells, right? You know, it wasn't indoctrinated into his cells. It was a very set period of time that they were filming this show and not creating lifestyle habits, but creating habits that were based on competition. So yes, you get the, do, you know, lose the most, do the most, eat the least, et cetera but not training them how to live a healthy lifestyle in general. 
and what you're talking about is really the beginning of living a lifestyle of health versus doing something as an emergency kind of a situation, emergency procedure versus something that gets long-term results, right? Yeah. I think it's, it's also a chicken and egg question of what comes for success or motivation, right? Because they feed into each other, but you need something. You need like a little bit of success that feeds the motivation, that gets more success, that gets the flywheel spinning. And I think I have a friend who came to me, uh, well, it was actually through a radio promotion. He was a DJ in Santa Barbara. He won't see names, but he was a, a, a large man, over 400 pounds. And part of the promotion, he was going to come into our gym and we we're going to, you know, I think that show that you're talking about was very popular back then. And, and, you know, they wanted to see, Hey, what can we do with, with this DJ? You know, maybe we can walk into this thing. And I, you know, the stuff I had him do, I'm like, well, you know, just meet me at the gym at, you know, 10 AM. He's like, and he showed up. I'm like, you don't need your workout gear. You don't need anything. We're just going to chat. Right. And then I'm like, well, let's do this again on Thursday. And he's like, Jim back. I'm like, no, I just want you to get in the habit of coming here right? And we're going to talk. You're going to get a little bit of success. And then the next thing you're going to do is we're going to have you just bring a gallon of water with you next week. So then he started bringing a gallon of water and we still hadn't worked out yet. Mm-hmm. Right. And then we took time and then finally I'm like, okay, now we're going to start working out. We're going to start moving. We're like, get you sweating. And, but he was establishing these habits and over a period of six months, he lost a hundred pounds, I think the right way. And uh, super happy. We're still lifelong friends now right? Love the guy. You know, he still yo-yos back and forth, but that was to me the way to approach it because it buys in and gets engagement, gives people confidence. Because here's the thing that I also look at for fitness and health is that uh, Josh Hillis was on my show and he had still one of my favorite quotes I've heard to this day out of 600 episodes. And I think he was quoting someone else. He's like, as a health and fitness professional, just remember, you're probably only better at your clients than one or two things. Just assume they're better at everything else. You probably know more than them about nutrition and exercise. They're probably better financiers. They're probably better parents. They're probably better whatever, right? Just assume that broadly. And then it kind of puts you in the mindset of like, you're humble, right? Because I think the fitness professional and health professional can sit on their their iron throne and look down upon people and be like, why don't you have a six pack? Why can't you train hard, right? But meanwhile, the rest of their life's a hot mess. And sometimes they forget about that and it makes them unrelatable and therefore not that vulnerable. And uh, anyway, that's, that's, <laughs> I can go off on that one for a while. No, absolutely. You know, one of, one of my biggest uh, issues within the f- fitness and health industry, and it's something that I teach in my course is something called program design and development. So, you know, in, in doctor's offices, because of insurance rules these days, it's a six minute visit that they have to get you in and out. So they have to learn your entire medical history in six minutes, prescribe you a procedure of some sort, whether it be a pill or a surgery or another doctor, and you're gone. No program design, no, no development, no listening to a person. But I have also hardly ever seen it in the fitness industry. Typically, it's come in for 10 sessions, we'll see where you're at, and then we'll put you on for another 10 sessions but it's not really like sitting down with somebody and saying, what is your lifestyle like? What is your food intake like? What is your health like? What is your community around you like? What are the things that people are saying? What is your philosophy on, on life? You know, what are the obstacles that may come in the way of having this work? And 
really going down and deep and dirty with somebody about their life so that you can then create a program that's designed around them so that they have a bigger, better chance of, uh, of success in getting the results you want. And I had to do this with Olympic athletes who would come in, they would have injuries and, and things, and their coaches would be telling them that they'll never be as good as, as they were. And I would tell them, you know, I would tell them the same thing I, I, I would tell you and anybody else is you can be 110% of anything you thought possible if we create the steps and execute the plan correctly. You don't have to have that, you know, that injury doesn't have to be a death sentence. Your illness doesn't have to be a death sentence. The lifestyle that you have now doesn't have to be the lifestyle that you continue on. And, and the idea is if we can program design it, we'll get results. If we're not program designing it, it's kind of like Jim Rohn says, you know, you're either going to arrive, you will, no matter what, you will arrive somewhere. You're either going to arrive at a well-planned destination or an unplanned destination. I don't think you want to arrive at the unplanned destination, yes. right? So in the fitness industry as a business, right? How often have you seen personal trainers create a plan for their business? Say, okay, I'm starting here as a trainer in this person's gym and I'm going to move into this position and then I'm gonna move into that position. You know, I'm gonna grow my business or, uh, or doing that with their clients. So it works both ways, both on the entrepreneurial side as well as the health and fitness side is create a plan and then execute it. And it sounds to me, as you said, when you did that, you were getting to know him, having conversations with him, sh you know, sharing that you actually gave a shit about him, right? Which is another big thing that a lot of people don't feel like the healthcare professionals really care about them at this point, because all they do is run them in and out like an assembly line. Yeah. So there's a lot to unpack in what you just said. Spot on. I think what you're what you're describing too is the difference between a professional coach and a trainer, right? Which is now today's recording 82620. We're still in the middle of COVID and one of the biggest disruptions of the fitness industry, the biggest disruption the fitness industry has ever seen. And I think that type of person who just goes session to session without a plan is now exposed because without that tool of working one-on-one -on -one and selling a 10 pack of training sessions, there's no, there's nothing to it. Now, if you're a coach and you understand the goals and COVID hits, you can still deliver the goods because you understand the big picture, right? You don't need a specific dumbbell to get that job done. You don't need access to the gym necessarily to get that job done. So I think that's really critical at what you're talking about. What I'm hoping for the fitness industry is that through this, we will rise up and become professional as an industry because this other model that's been around for far too long um, is no longer viable. So yes, and the relationship between fitness and business is so, it, it mesmerizes me with how similar it is. And I think, you know, to hit your analogy with another one is we always say, hey, you know, when a flight leaves San Francisco and it's flying to Boston, right? Once wheels are up, what percentage of time on that flight 
is that plane on course? And the answer it varies, but doesn't really matter. We'll say it's 8%. So 92% of the time that plane is course correcting. Now it knows it's going to Boston. It's going to get to Boston, but most people don't know where their plane is going. And that's where the first question we start with. It's like, okay, let's just talk about this. What does success look like here? Right. For you personally, both professionally, personally, what does success look like? Now let's build out something that'll get you to that point because people just get into it. And then when I ask people, what does success look like? Well, you know, I'd like to make 10 grand a month and, uh, you know, maybe own my own gym someday. No, scratch that. What do you want out of life? Right. Let's start there because that'll be way more exciting. And maybe let's make it like a little bit bigger than what you think it could be to really get you in. Right. And then we can start building that plan out that works backwards. I had a great conversation with a very successful trainer and, you know, after, uh, he recorded me on his show. I, he, he's like, Hey, you know, I, I'm just kind of stuck, man. I've been doing this for a long time. And when we got on another call, we started talking about his, his business and he was just in the grind. Right. And he's like, well, I want to build out this whole platform. I want to do this and this. I want to help integrate the changes between, you know, this physical therapy world and this world. And, and I'm like, well, okay. Why? What does that mean? And it turns out all he really wanted to do was have more time freedom right? Make a little bit more money. And that was it. I'm like, well, if that's the goal, we don't need to build anything. Right. We can just optimize what you have right now. Right. right. And makes, put some rules in place. And I think that's the big thing is what you're getting at is like, Hey, let's, let's look at what's the six, what does success look like? Why is that important to you? Is it really what you want? Right. Is it really aligned with your values? Because sometimes you're just chasing someone else's dream because you read it somewhere and then you get there and you're like, I'm freaking miserable. Right. So yeah, man, it's all about the plan, but it's, it's about knowing where your plane's going first. Yeah. And, and where it is to begin with, you know, yeah. if you're yeah. from Argentina and you think you're in, you know, Peru, you're not, you're not going to go. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, you know, knowing where you are, where you're going is really good. I've had a question for a couple of years now. And that is because on your show, I said something that you said nobody else has ever said. We were talking on the future of fitness and, and you asked me what I, thought, what I thought the future of fitness was going to be. And I said, nanotechnology. Do you remember this? <laughs> I think so, yeah. And you said, oh, what? You, it was like I stumped you because nobody had ever said nanotechnology before. So I yeah, was new. Anybody has said that since? <laughs> I don't think so. I think I've actually gotten away from that particular question too, for some reason. I think I found a different formula for my questioning. But when I, when people ask me now, you know, what, what's some of the technology that you think is going to emerge out of this whole thing? Um, nano's in, in the top 10 now, you know, for sure. Wow. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it's very futuristic. Yes. Kind of scary, kind of black mirror ish. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's always, uh, intrigued me that after, I think at that point you had over 80 interviews that you had done that nobody else had, had said that and uh and to me i think it's you know it is the future it's what what we're all moving towards and if we don't make a good plan then that technology can uh can really override our humanity in some ways yeah so we yeah. 
be really careful with how how we plan and how we think about it and what we're what we're looking to do so tell me what what do you want to create in the world i know you have a mastermind you're doing these uh these podcasts what what's your end goal what is the thing that would if you had a legacy to lead or leave what would that be and why yeah so there's i i i Actually, I've broken this out in quite detail, but I'll, I'll just kind of talk with like, uh, you know, my, my professional career of what I want. And this is why Ken and I work together really well and the associate that we're looking to bring it on work together really well because we, we want the same thing as we want to impact those who impact others. And the more, like, I, I would love to just work with five people who impact millions right? And help them increase their impact. I don't want to be the guy out in front, the face of anything. I want to be the guy behind whispering in the person's ear. Here's how I can help you do this. Here's some ideas. Let's put this forward, right? And helping those people and supporting them. That, that's the type of role. I would want to be the Scotty Pippen to Michael Jordan's. That's, I've taken me 43 years on my planet to realize that's the role I'm good at. Um, what does that look like in a actual manifestation for lack of better term? I want to have about 20 to 30 acres here in Montana, the place where people can gather just to innovate and solve the, some of the world's biggest problems. And that's, that's just what I want to do. That's like my retirement goal, which is not retirement at all. It's actually, you know, a lot of activity and, and passion poured into it. But that's, that's the vision I have is I want to have a place where people can take away distraction, focus on the problems, collaborate together, and really may come up with some innovative solutions. That would, that's my dream, man. That's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah, one of, one of my uh, plans, and I, I had mentioned this before COVID hit, but as uh, I've been doing men's circles and things like that since 2000, and I wanted to translate the the men's circle into a corporate circle hmm. and have events like that at a location that's completely taking away all distractions and not do these boring, you know, trust falls and team building things necessarily that, that we've seen for the last 50, 60 years, but sit, but still sit around a fire and say, what do you want to create in this world? What do you want your corporation to be known for? What do you want your company to produce for the society, right? And then how do we take that and actualize it, make it an action step that really moves the world forward? So I, I totally resonate with what you're saying. Uh, you know, my brother teaches survival training He's taught Marines, he's taught both urban and wilderness. And so I was thinking, you know, he's been a teacher his whole life, never been an entrepreneur. And I was thinking, this would be a great opportunity to include him <laughs> in, in, a, in a purpose that he would love, right? Which is to move the world forward. You know, he likes comic books, superheroes are, are his thing. And so how can we create more superheroes? And when I hear somebody say, I want to be somebody who impacts the impactors, I think of the superheroes that 
are kind of the the leaders of superhero tribes, right? So whether it's an X-Men and you've got uh, the professor or wh whatever it is, you know, it sounds like you want to be the professor and, you know, you've got the gray <laughs> spot here that, that could really evolve into, <laughs> into your superhero persona. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> and, you know, just be the puppet master. No, not the puppet master, but you know, the director, the, the guy who's taken on the challenge of working with, with those. And I've actually been really blessed because my guest the other day, I was telling you about Sesh. Uh, he, he's been an advisor to the World Bank. He's been an advisor to countries. Uh, he's helped countries with their, their transportation systems and, and their infrastructure systems. He's totally behind the scenes. Nobody yeah. knows who this guy is unless you're in that world. But the people that he influences, you know, are people like Tony Robbins. People, <laughs> you know, he, he's the mentor to the mentors, the guru to the gurus. And it sounds like that's kind of a role that you're wanting to play it towards, towards this next phase of your life. And, you know, I'm, I'm a little different. I've been the behind the scenes guy. I've been the entourage is what I, what I call it. I've, I've been the guy who's training the Olympic athlete who then gets the gold and gets the accolades. And right now I'm transitioning into being more on the front stage, hmm. you know, and being loud, being person, because I haven't seen what I want to see. Right. We always say strife propels us forward. So what strife has propelled you forward lately that, that makes you want to have this kind of impact? Yeah, man. I, um, you know, honestly, I'd say it's, it's inspiration to meeting Ken and kind of figure out what it is that I really want to do and seeing how our values align. But ultimately, um, you know, I, I think if I boiled it down to something more simpler is I, I really want to see my wife's dreams come true. And I know Ken has the exact same life goal because not only do I love my wife and we've been through some shit together and it's amazing that we've made it through it. Um, and we continually work on ourselves and, and our partnership, but, uh, she's got awesome dreams, man. Way better than what I could have thought of personally. So I'm like, yeah, you know, I, uh, I like what she's doing. And I think, I don't know if that's strife, but it's just, you know, I see her still in her corporate gig and kind of grinding it out, even though she gets to work remotely. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that's, that's something that would really make me happy. And I don't know if there's strife. I think it's more just inspiration and, and a know-how and an urgency to um, give her what she wants um, at the earliest age possible. Yeah. Well, see, to me, the strife is that she's still doing what she doesn't want to do. Yes, exactly. And, and you know, your love for her is to get her as quickly as possible to do what she loves to do and what, she, what her genius is. And I think that you have that for all of your clients, for all of the people that you influence. I don't think you do this out of your ego needing to be the, the leader of a podcast. I think you do it out of your love for an industry and your want and need for it to change and grow and become bigger than it's been. 
And that to me is a noble strife. Oh, thank right. you, man. And it's true. I, I don't, uh, I'm not, you know, it's side note before we wrap. I was like, I, I hired Nicole Spencer because she's a brilliant marketer and, and coach to help me do social media stuff. And she gave me, she gave me the roadmap, man. Like, this is what you need to do. And this is this much social, this much. This, and I realized in a, going through the process that I hate it. I hate doing Facebook lives and talking about myself. I hate doing all these things. I'm like, okay, well, thank you for, you know, every penny I spent on your on an investment with you is worth it because I now realize with un, with no doubt in my mind that I don't like to be the, the center. I'd much rather highlight people on my show, talk about them, be supportive of them. And that's just uh, where I'm more comfortable. And maybe that's a comfort issue. I don't know, but that's, uh, I could talk about myself. I guess I just did for an hour with you. Yeah. You know, that, that's the way I like to be, man. And uh, yeah, it's, I think you're, you're very observant. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I have appreciated our friendship, even though we've never really met in person. I think that we've had just these moments in time where we've both been in some transition or some place and, and we've been able to help propel each other forward a little bit, even, even microscopically. And, uh, and so I appreciate who you are, what you do in the world. I mean, to be somebody who doesn't like to be in the front and to have done 600 podcasts, it, <laughs> no small feat you know most people would sit here with the camera on and never hit record if they even got to where the camera was right uh i know for me i grew up in hollywood and and i hated myself on camera i've always been told you know my dad used to tell me i have a great face for radio and, and so, you know, I always hated myself on camera. It takes a lot for me to get comfortable doing something that's a video related thing, but my purpose is bigger than my fear. Mm. And I know that the things I have to say need to get said and the things that I have to say, people need to hear. And so that propels me to speak up and get loud and do it hopefully as often as possible. So, you know, like I said, I, I really appreciate you coming. Let's uh, tell people how they can find you, what, uh, what you're doing right now and, and how they can be of support or how you could be of support to them. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for asking that. And um, I, I appreciate your kind words, man. I'm, I'm really excited that you're getting out front. So um, I think it's, it's uh overdue. Um, you can find me in a couple different places. I think uh, level five mentors is probably the best place. L-E-V-E-L, -E -E the number five mentors.com. You can find me at Eric, E-R-I-C at level five mentors.com. I actually do answer all my emails. Um, I'm very active on LinkedIn. And of course you can find my podcasts at uh, futureoffitness.co. And then the Black Diamond podcast, which is all over iTunes and all the, the outlets you can listen to, but it's also housed at level5mentors.com. So that's where to find me, Eric Malzone. There's only a couple of us out there. If you want to Google me too, uh, I'm the, there's a Brazilian and there's a, an American. I'm the American. And uh, yeah, you can, there's a lot of different ways to find me. How, how did that happen? You're married to a Brazilian? I don't know. It's weird. A lot of Italians ended up in Brazil. Ah, uh, 
Yeah, I think there's more Italians in Brazil than there are in Italy, believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds weird, but I think it's true. <laughs> Fact check me on that. Well, um, so much for uh, for coming on. I highly recommend you check out Level 5 uh, and and Black Diamond as well as Future Fitness Podcast. If you're anywhere near the fitness industry or are interested in getting healthy, I mean, you're going to hear some great advice and some great tools that you could use tomorrow. So I ask this at the end of every podcast, three things that are actionable steps that somebody can take tomorrow, today, now, to change their life for the better. Yeah. Oof. Call up somebody that's a good friend you haven't talked to in a long time. Uh, that's number one. Make a list of everything that went well for you today. Go do something fun, man. Go do something you enjoy. I think it's, uh, we get so caught up in, in work and tasks and all that. Like, just go do something that makes you, makes you laugh. That's it. Simple. That's awesome. Thank you so much for coming. I really appreciate it. And I look forward to seeing everybody back here on the next episode of Create a New Tomorrow. Thank you very much and have a healthy day. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I appreciate all you do to create a new tomorrow for yourself and those around you. If you'd like to take this information further and are interested in joining a community of like-minded people who are all passionate about activating their vision for a better world, go to the website, createanewtomorrow.com and find out how you can be part of making a bigger difference. I have a gift for you just for checking it out and look forward to seeing you take the leap and joining our private paid mastermind community. Until then, see you on the next episode.